Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. Don't have any housekeeping for you today. The X Red Rocks is full. We've got a wait list going there. If you're still keen, it's worth applying because some people will inevitably not be able to make it. And so get yourself on the wait list. It's xredrocks.com. Pretty excited that that's all coming together. I think this will be by far the biggest hike and fly event that's ever been thrown in, in North America. So should have a blast. It's coming up. I am off to Turkey for the World Cup here in a couple days, but just recorded this podcast today with Torsten Siegel, one of my heroes in in the uh, comp scene. He's been a test pilot for many, many years, was with UP and then Swing with UP back in the 90s, and then Swing for five years, and then he's been with Jen now for over a decade as a test pilot and designer, a very accomplished comp pilot. He's been we did the math, I think, during the show, you know, almost 30 years flying comps and just had a really nice result at the Super Final out in Switzerland. So we spent some time talking about his history and designing and his adventures in paragliding and then get pretty specific into comp tactics and strategies and that kind of thing. So if you're interested in comps or uh, struggling with how to be consistent or do well or you're a veteran or a beginner at comps, I think you'll really enjoy this. So enjoy this talk with Torsten Siegel. Torsten, it's uh, it's good to see you. It was, it was, I've seen you a bit lately. We saw each other at Nationals in Chelan, and then I followed the Super Final very closely. I was wishing I was over there with you guys. It was just too quick a turnaround after after the X-House to get back to Switzerland, but you got a lot of days. You only had a couple, I think the last day and one day in the beginning. And that's pretty remarkable for flying in the Rhine Valley. How were the conditions and what was it like? So it was a very special life to say. I've been now four times in Desantis and this was the strongest conditions I have ever flown there. But you said no, no accidents. Nobody had any trouble. Were there some close calls or anything? Because I heard a few, a few people that I follow on Instagram said it was pretty rough. Few people just decided to land one day and just ah, okay, that's too much. Yeah, we had even like Michael Siegel, World yeah. Cup winner, on the third task. He was uh, in a pretty nasty galley, something where the wind was blowing in, together with Tim uh, Bollinger and. Um, Tim got just blown up like crazy, and uh, then Michael definitely decided, no, this is this is too much, and he landed. Which I, yeah, definitely in, in, in this situation, I flew a little bit more outside, but um, it's yeah, definitely some spots where it was uh, was too much. I mean, it was not so nice to fly. Sometimes when you are high, you don't feel it. Sometimes you don't catch thermals. You're coming low there or whatever. So it's a very unique area and there are always some surprises around some corners. And this year we had a lot, but like you say, uh, luckily we had um, no accident or nothing, but this is quite That's unique great. for a competition like this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's, uh, did I read that it was the first super final that's been done in proper mountains? Is that correct? Um, correct. Yeah. I, was also surprised because I guess I flew more or less all despite one. And um, there was always the dream from uh, Xavier Borillo, also the former World Cup chef, uh, chief, who uh, unfortunately died then uh, during flying, like I think it's like seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Um, 
it was always his dream to have a super final in the Alps. And uh, <laughs> now with the COVID situation and uh, all the messed up uh, events and World Cup calendar, it finally happened. And uh, therefore, we are even more happy that it was uh, so successful that we had so many tasks insane racing and I think it was the most sportive event ever when it comes to competition and the pilots. I hope they can keep doing that. I mean, it's what a spectacular, the pictures are, I mean, the Rhine is, you know, I've flown there a bunch with all the races, the X-Alps and stuff. And it, I mean, like you said, it does bite. There are some snakes that crawl out of the, crawl out of the steep mountains there, but it's beautiful. And what an awesome place to race. Um, I don't agree because normally what I what I would say it's perfect to fly with your friends and enjoy right. it. Not um, great for racing. Racing with hundred people on the ridge is definitely not something you say. Oh, it's so nice. Look at the glacier and you get this so one. It's more like oh, oh, please go hold out on. of my way. Hold it's, on, it's, hold on, hold it's on. It's too yeah. tight. It's too tight. I need some. I need some space. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it's a. Yeah, I repeat myself, but it's a unique place. And when, when the conditions with a high cloud base and everything, what we had a few days, then it's really outstanding. And I think also pretty safe to fly. But it can be different. And for me, the the most sketchy thing is always when you are in these very rough conditions and then suddenly with 20, 30 pilots, mm. you just try in the, in the lee side, in the lee terminal, you, you try to climb proper. And the wind pushes you out and you know it happens with the others too and um, mm. so this is the situation when you are with two three pilots I, I feel pretty comfortable but with a lot of pilots in these conditions this is something i uh, I, I rather do this than in, in brazil or somewhere else. yeah 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 fair oh. enough fair enough they, how long have you been flying comps Oof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was right after the Second World War. (laughs) 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 Close to this, though. I I think I started in 94. Okay. With 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 the DHV Junior Challenge. And then something, 96, the first World Cup. And since 99, I'm in the German National That's 27 years, Torsten. Flying mm. cops, I think something like I, that. I, I think you're counting wrong. <laughs> must be seven years. <laughs> I thought well, so. Well, you keep you keep yourself extremely fit. That must that must uh-huh. help. Yeah. What 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 is your exercise regime at? What do you what do you do to stay fit? Uh, during COVID, it was drinking beer. <laughs> it's wor- it's <laughs> worked out very well for you. <laughs> no, it did very. After three months, I recognized it. <laughs> Got to do some setups. I, I have to do something different. <laughs> um, and then, no, mainly it's these classic things. Also, you, uh, we do some endurance sports, and uh, I have some Italian friends here. We do uh, in, in Toronto. We do a lot of uh, street biking. Mm. So on the weekends or during the week, we go like like eighty, hundred k's and uh, like old man style. And <laughs> then. Uh, yeah, it's mainly I, I try to go a little bit in the gym, in the boxing gym with the kids. I have two kids, they are like six and eight now, oh. and they uh, they really enjoy the kickboxing a little bit. So uh, we are doing this together, and uh, then more or less all the, yeah, I try to make each day some sports instead of drinking beer. 
Ah. Sometimes I drink beer and make those calls. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you're such a so, good pilot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting it's getting uh, harder when you're getting older. So <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, will, will you get your kids into flying? Oh, good question. So I flew with them already, mm. um, for sure, and they they love it. And I think my little one, my girl, she's six years old. She's super adventurous, and she always blames me that I never fly proper with her. So um, now when when we have the, the possibility to travel now, I, I definitely like to fly with her. Mm. But. Honestly, I'm also happy if they are do kite surfing or some other things. Something a little um, less uh, less gravity yeah, related. Yeah. <laughs> As I don't like to become that you become a test pilot like me. <laughs> right, right. When they're doing hike and fly, I'm happy uh, and see you. I, I for sure if they're interested, I will introduce them into the sport. Um, but I leave it also open. I, uh, I I think it's definitely a kind of sport uh, which you sh- should choose by yourself. And um, I don't like to push them into this because this is something uh, they have to find out by their own. Yeah. Do you? How long it was was Jin your introduction to being a test pilot and working in that in the industry, or did you work before with somebody else? Oh uh, yeah, way before. Um, so actually, when uh, I was studying mechanical engineering, I started to fly in the German League. And during this time, uh, Yuki Paragliders was, was very strong. They had from Daiichi Kosho, from the Japanese, they had some support and they, uh, they were thinking about to make paragliding, yeah, like, like playing golf, something like this. So they spent a lot of money for this mm. and, uh, hired a lot of new pilots. And I was, I became a team pilot for UP. I think this was in 96 something. Yeah. And uh, then when I have to write my bachelor thesis, I uh, ask UP if they're interested. And they say, yeah, we can do something together. So they had also another engineer. So my bachelor thesis was about measuring performance of, of paragliders in a, uh, in a vehicle on a, uh, on a runway. So it was quite interesting, quite uh, I failed also, but <laughs> nevertheless, I got a got a good diploma for this, so uh, everyone was pretty happy. And with this, I was uh, after this, I was very close to UP, and then they asked me yeah, if I'm interested. They did some test pilots and just for for, for beginner wings and everything. And I said, yeah, as long as I'm studying, I can do this. And um, then actually I got into this, so I was starting there as a test pilot, competition pilot, a little bit part-time. And then when I finished studying, um, I was thinking about, yeah, let's do it a year or something like this and uh, then get a real job. Were you in Germany uh, at the time? I was in Germany, yeah. yeah. And I was studying in Heilbronn, that's near Stuttgart, in the yep. South Germany. And then I moved to the Lake of Constance. That's at the border to Switzerland, Austria, and, and Germany. And uh, yeah, and now I'm 52 and doing this still. So yeah, I was like, I think 15 years with UP. Mm. Um, then together with uh, Stefan Stiegler, um, he was the main designer. And um, so we worked together. And then I was for five years at Swing. Oh, okay. 
um, Heraclitus and now nearly 10 years for Jin. So in, in April, next April, I work 10 years for Jin. Yeah. And is that is that your 100% job? Um, I mean, in yes. other words, do you, do you have other <laughs> do you have other sources of? Yeah, at the, at the beginning, you can imagine it's it's like uh, it's, it's really a bad paying job because everyone everyone thinks that oh, damn it, he can fly, so he has fun and it's his hobby. So why should we pay him? Ah. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's definitely not very well paid. And so I was at the beginning, I was writing quite a lot for uh, where we had more the. German, uh, as we had a Demic magazine, we had a Flying Glide magazine, mm -hmm. NTHV, and I was working also as a photographer for a, a local newspaper. So I had quite a lot of side incomes there because it was necessary. And mm -hmm. then let's say when I established myself uh, more and more as a also designer, then the incomes became better and also the time is less for, for doing other things. So now um, I would say like yeah nine percent of my my work is for gym gliders and I'm doing a little bit uh, besides some some jobs with writing. And is most of that role with Jin now design or is there still a lot of test pilot and stuff involved? And maybe for the audience, I, you know, I don't know a lot of people don't really know what test pilot means. What what is it? What what do you do? What does it involve? And how do you do it yeah. in Toronto? <laughs> yeah, Toronto. It's it's the thing I'm traveling a lot. As it is, um, this is for sure. I'm in Toronto because my, my wife she works here, mm -hmm. and uh, our our kids are going to school. So it's uh, you see, as a as a paragliding pilot, it's pretty hard to uh, feed your family. Mm. So therefore, your wife needs a good job. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yes. No, but it's, you, you have to balance things in, in a way, and especially when you have family, it's for sure easier when you are when you are single and uh, just can do what you want because then you're much more flexible. But yeah, well, uh, it's I'm quite happy to have my, my two kids and my, my base here. But yeah, like, like you mentioned, so in, in Toronto, we do sometimes a little bit of towing and there are some soaring areas, but it's definitely no reasonable flying here. So most of the time... Um, I think about to go to Salt Lake City or when I when we met in Chilena was there one week earlier mm. because you know the weather is always nearly always good there despite yeah. the fires this year or whatever. So what we are looking for is when we are making the test sessions to go in some areas uh, where we are to ninety nine percent sure that we can fly the whole week or for two weeks. So areas like Valle de Bravo, Salt Lake City, Chilena, okay. and uh, things like this. You are, you, are you testing the full range of gin or are you mostly just testing the comp end of things or mm -hmm. everything? It's, um, it's more or less, um, depending on the projects and priorities we have and, um, how it goes. So, um, let's say for sure, Jin is our main designer. He's, he's, uh, coming up with all the ideas and I, um, I support him with this and, then once we are we agree on the projects, then we split it sometimes that I focus on on one of the wings and the sizes and he on the other. But mainly then also we join each other again in order to, to fly and test it again. How much and time think, do you spend in Korea? Yeah, recently not a lot because 
for sure with yeah. the COVID situation and the traveling, it's it's hard. And I was thinking about now to fly to Korea. Um, they still have these two weeks quarantine, um, and we try to find a way that I maybe can skip it. It's still tricky, so we decide now to make the next test test session uh, again in the Alps with our team pilots there with Michael Siebel and, and Tim Bollinger. Um, but yeah, normally I'm like four times in Korea. Uh, it's mainly spring and autumn time um, because in summer you have the rainy season and winter is pretty cold, similar like Canada. So in, in this case, we we meet somewhere else. Also, we think quite often in Valle Bravo, Mexico over winter. So something from, from December to February. And then March, it starts in Korea again. And then uh, summertime, it's quite often in the Alps. Mm. And is your background with mechanical engineering, was that real critical for becoming a designer with, with paragliding? Or is it something you just picked up working with UP and over the years? Is it? Yes, yeah, it's one interesting thing because before I studied, uh, my dad, uh, he's a tailor and he had a company with 60 empl employees. And when I was a young gun, I, uh, I don't like to work, I don't uh, I'd like to do anything. And then he said, Listen, son, you don't hang around the street, you work now here. <laughs> and I said, Yeah, okay, I work there. So uh, I became a tailor too. So I was like yeah. a two years, two years training. And the nice thing is, I, I could make my first flight suits by my own. Yeah. Uh, but when I stopped, it's because I it was industrial production of, of, of clothing. So this was pretty boring. I said, oh, I will never do this again. But it's very interesting because it came very handy uh, once I started, uh, started the paragliding business and, and making things. So uh, a lot of the changes I can do myself. And it gives you also, for sure, I have the a pretty good understanding when it comes to uh, sewing and producing the wings. So this was uh, this was quite interesting that it was just by chance that uh, I had uh, this this knowledge because I never thought I could ever use it later for paragliding. And the thing is, with uh, in, in Germany, uh, I think when you study engineering, it's uh, the the it's quite intense. And I was there for five years on the on the high school. Or the uni university, sorry, and uh, the main thing also you you had some aerodynamic backgrounds and everything, but it's the the main thing is all your technical understanding and the knowledge of this, and then I think it's pretty easy to adapt into fields which are very similar, and this is the main thing with with aerodynamics, also designing a paraglider. You have the the, the structural base where mechanical engineering is. Is anyway perfect for this, and you have these aerodynamic components uh, where we have anyway we have some support also from aerodynamic engineers, and um, for myself um, I have for sure the, the, the basic knowledge with this and the ideas and everything how it goes together. What kind of a pilot makes a good test pilot? You know, are, in, in other words, are you? Are you basically, you know, you take a, a, a new design, uh, you know, third edition of the XXX, whatever it is, and you take it up. Are you just stalling it like crazy? Are you spinning it? I mean, are you doing all the kind of uh, civil testing or, or, or what, what kind of, or are you just flying it around and kind of getting a feel? Yeah. 
Um, let's say in the past, it, it was more like this, that it was always pretty hard to pass the, the certification. Meanwhile, I have to say since, since I worked for Jin and, and even before, the designs and the knowledge uh, is so advanced that normally the wings, they don't make big problems. Also like we had it in the past, that you have deep stall, that you have nasty shooting, that the wing was super dynamic and everything. All these things are quite rare. Also for sure, you can have some surprises with sudden reopenings or whatever. But it's mainly now when, when, when we are introducing new designs or making new designs, uh, at the beginning, it's definitely um, more the flying in general. Is the wing performing in the way? Is the handling like you like to have it? And uh, what's now our main point uh, since a few years? It is is it also suitable for the target group? So is it easy to fly? Uh, is it something what they what they like where they don't feel stressed out and everything? Mm. Um, so it's for sure in the, in the higher classes the performance is something, but performance is also nothing without control and i think this was also when we think about the boom 11 for example i think this was a pretty good performing wing but for uh, a lot of pilots too demanding or they, mm. they felt too nervous pilots who have enough skills and me honestly i love it because it gives you a lot of feedback mm. and it was interesting to fly but you need a lot of time to understand the wing and everything and i think this is something what we are now more aware that most of the pilots, they don't have so much time to fly and they like to have something where they just jump on and say, yeah, that's easy. I, uh, I'm confident with the wing and everything and there's, there's not much uh, about to learn and to understand and uh, get into it. So I think this is uh, one of our main points for the future designs to make performance very accessible for the pilot group in order that you feel from the beginning very confident um, with a nice and solid view. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole just because we have with, with other people on the show in the past with the whole open class and CCC and, you know, the Peter Heater stuff and that led to all that. But do you wish the industry was going in any kind of a different direction than what it is right now. I mean, it seems like the CCC class is, is working quite well. Uh, but do you wish, do you wish, for example, uh, that we'd done the Robbie Whittle you know, stick with the serial class and, you know, um, everybody's kind of wearing the same shoes or do, how do you feel about all that? Yeah, I, I think I'm quite happy with the current development. Because I think the serial class, when we had it for one or two years, it show these big drawbacks when it comes to control the wing, to see is it really the same wing what everyone is flying. And when, when you ever try to measure a wing and find out differences, immediately you figure out how frustrating this is. Mm. And it gives for sure the, uh, also then the people as soon as they have a better performing wing, there are always some doubts. Yeah, it's awesome. Is he flying a serial wing or did he make his own wing uh, with some thinner profiles which nobody can check or with some whatever, with some special tension? So you have always these uh, kind of thoughts in, in, in the mind of the people. And I think it's, it's like the paragliding sport is so small. It's not like a big industry like a Formula One where you have some engineers who are controlling 
the cars afterwards and checking everything if, if it's according to the rules. So that's like, uh, you have to see in Switzerland, they were checking the, the, the wings in the evening in the cable car station until uh, 11 o'clock and just try to get some main measurements to see if everything is, 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 is working well. But we are such a small community. Um, and it's, uh, so I, I, I thought definitely the class was the wrong way. Because this should be held for the for the normal for the leisure pilots and, and some kind of sport pilots, and with the CCC and the regulations we have, we have a kind of freedom of design, but we are limiting the most dangerous parts. Uh, this is like in the past it's, it's extreme full speed flying with trimmers and everything. Um, so I think it's 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 all on 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 a pretty good way currently and. Uh, Sometimes you wish a little bit more freedom with the design, but then also we are doing some some kind of crazy wings or, or, or wings which are borderline, and then you are happy again that you don't have to fly this in a competition that you can go back to your right. normal wing. Because I remember the open class times in the past where you come up with a new prototype, and it was so sketchy to fly that you say that the whole competition you couldn't enjoy it because we were just focused on the wing and you wish yeah you, you came with the old one. So no, and, and all of this I think we, we have a have a nice margin of safety and uh, also when you speak to all the pilots, I think they're pretty happy with the situation. Hmm. How did you get into flying thirty years ago? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, actually the. I think it all started with my dad because he was as he was uh, in, the, in the German army. He was a pilot there, mm. but then when his dad died, he had to take over the, the company, so the, the business. But he was a lot on, on the airfield. Uh, he became a sailplane pilot. So as kids, we were hanging around a lot with these strange guys on the <laughs> on the airfield. Uh, it was super interesting because it was a big playground and everything. But still, like yeah, flying, flying gliders, sailplanes is a little bit different. And then, then we have the called the Wasserkuppe. So this is a mountain in, in Fulda, Frankfurt, uh, where, uh, where where they did the first gliding. And then some was one day my brother came and said, "Yeah, Thorsten, I saw something strange there, jumping with some some parachutes down the mountain. Whatever, we have to look at this." And I said, oh, this sounds like fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I went up with my brother and we had a look. And, yeah, we said, yeah, just, we have to try this. We signed up for a course. And then I was running down the hill like crazy. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I wasn't really flying. I, I, I had my first flight book here. It was always like flying like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and then 30 seconds, new records and everything. So I was very... <laughs> Very ambitious during this time because it was just a, a kind of let you. And this is how everything started. And um, let's say it was was these. I, I think I felt a lot from from the first. I was these these running and suddenly these yeah lifting your legs and flying. It was like this childhood dream a little bit, which came true. Mm. And then it was for let's say for half a year. Year it, it was a little bit. I got frustrated with the performance because you're always like going through the bushes, don't reach the landing field and everything. And then I got a little bit my fill, but then 
the, the next generation of, of wings arrived and I jumped immediately from, from my school wing to a little ZX, I guess it was, yeah. And then suddenly you could glide. And this was then again was like, wow. And then you have your first turbo and everything. And uh, yeah, it, then it changed my life, I have to say, because I was uh, definitely kind of addicted and was somewhere else what I was missing in my whole life. I was always looking for something, uh, what I can do. I was not so into surfing. Um, and then suddenly you're flying seems to be something, yeah, this is, this is really super special. So I try also to study in the south of Germany to be able to be closer to the mountains. And then it became a huge part of my life until today. Wow. Has there been in that kind of arc of your career and test piloting comps and that kind of thing, have there been, you know, big lulls in your passion or has it just been, you know, has been pretty pretty exciting from the beginning it's i have to say it was pretty exciting from the beginning there were two things what i have to say as a one was for sure the money at the beginning where you have mm. to say yeah now i studied so long and uh, also my dad asked me a few times son don't you like to have a real job now <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so no but if you can let me some money i really pay it back so it's, it's <laughs> like you know when you when you're 26, 28, and still begging for money or something like this. Uh, it's also this was something a few times that you know, I, I had to put this down and, and, and do something uh, get serious a and get a real <laughs> job and uh, and uh, yeah, have this as a hobby and whatever. But yeah, never happened. But this this was definitely a few times that even I, I was writing some. Uh, to some companies and uh, job applications, but uh, they didn't like me, so I, I just stuck, <laughs> like, stuck with the gliding. And then it's it's for sure uh, all these first times is the is, let's say I never had a big accident. Actually, I, I never broke any bone or whatever, so I'm super lucky. But I have to say I had one, two, three close calls where I have to say, okay, this was just super lucky now. Was just mm. the, by as just by chance I'm still walking away. Yeah. Uh, I could be in a wheelchair, I could be dead or whatever. So these are also the things. I had one where I was for for one year I was thinking about was well, it even worth to take this risk or not. Um, and uh, then also for sure when some of your best friends are dying. Yeah. So the uh, these are the these these very sad moments where you think, God damn it, it's yeah, flying is nice, but uh, is it this competition flying, this testing, you see, wouldn't be high and fly, it wouldn't be just enough, just go up somewhere or have a decent terminal flight, must it be, is it worth to be, I don't even know I'm extreme, but is it worth to go so far and, and, and risk your life? And uh, because, yeah, when, when you see what happens to, to all of the friends, and, and meanwhile, it's, it's, I have to say, even too many, which I know, who uh, where we always say, yeah, we always remember you, you, and then you. After twenty years, I forgot even the names. So it's um, it's the thing, uh, yeah, where, where you always have to question yourself, and it's something you have to think about if you like to take this risk or or, or not. But it's there for sure many times where, where you have doubts, and I think it's good to question yourself uh, yeah. to. 
to be not blind and uh, always have this awareness that uh, things can happen to you and do you like to do this or not. So just, uh, and that this will be something I think until the end of my career this will uh, will rising and, and falling and I will see how I handle this. Is there is there been anything concrete you've changed about the style or the approach or something you've done with your flying over the years? You know, for example, when you had kids, or is there anything you're doing that um, now in terms of being safer or taking less risk that maybe you wish you would have earlier? Or is it just kind of a natural progression of? I think it's more natural progression. Also the the main thing is and. Uh, yeah, the kids or my my relations never change my thoughts. That you have to, you need to be honest to yourself and, and, and check if you like to take the risk. And this is more a personal thing. I, I I don't take my family into account for this because anyway, I like to live also. I'm, I'm not seeking. I'm not a dead seeker. They are all. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I, I like to play suicide games or whatever. So it's. Uh, it's something I, I, I think about a lot, and um, like you mentioned, it's it's a natural thing when when you start, for example, racing in the World Cup. It's quite funny. Like ten minutes before the race starts, I always think, "Do I really like it?" And then when the race starts, it's like, "Yeah, <laughs> so fun!" And then so fun. it's so fun. So the main thing is you see the. I know why I'm doing this because it's for three, four hours, how long the race takes. Uh, you're focused on one specific thing. And this is so nice. Also, all the other things are gone. It's, it's just about flying and uh, observing the course, see what's the best, and, and dive into something and forget about the, the, the rest of your life. Mm. When you're bombing out, suddenly the bubble bursts, and you're like, "What happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened?" That's <laughs> yes, the real life is hitting you. <laughs> Especially in Shalan, when you're going, "Oh, it's, dust it's, devil, yeah. dust devil." <laughs> <laughs> so these, uh, this is again. I I think this makes uh, paragliding also so unique, especially as a competition flying, because it's a. It's a short circle of life. You see, it's like this race start and to the end, and you have all these up and downs. Oh, no, I'm bumping out. Oh, I catch a turn. Oh, I'm so lucky. So these these emotional feelings, what you have, and uh, you miss the start. You know, it's like uh, all these things for what happened in your life, you see, yeah. happens there within four hours. And, uh, yeah, you, it's you all kind of compressed also. into this one experience. It's compressed there, yeah. and you can learn also a lot about your other life about this isn't it that you say yeah well i'm low now in my <laughs> so this is something um where you yeah i, I think I'm, I'm i'm a very patient person and also in real life there are not many things which are hitting me now anymore mm. you your, you because because paragliding so brutal on you <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah it teaches you a lot of patience it is yeah it is like this at also, you cannot change it. You know, when, when you miss yeah. the turtle, you can cry, you can you can swear, but it's not changing. You know, it's just mm. nature. The turtle mm. is gone, and so mm. so you have to be patient. So you're landing, or you try something else. Maybe it works, maybe not. So this is uh, 
something many times we are making animated jokes about this, especially the final slide. You see when you have slide where you talk, you know, oh, can I make it? Can I not make it? You know, it's like this excitement. <laughs> Then it was the third task when when we are all like 200 meters in front of gold, you know, it's like after <laughs> after 12k climbing, it's like oh no. <laughs> but then yeah, well, you, you you have to smile again as you, you can be pissed off for a minute, but yeah, you anyway, won't change it, isn't it? So I, yeah, I, gotta, I think this is the beauty about it. I've got a, a bunch of very specific comp questions that we'll get to in a bit, but one of the things I, we just, I just recorded another show uh, with Wally down in Australia a couple of days ago, and we were talking about comps. Um, you know, one of the things that is so striking about it, and I guess it's, it, it's what makes it so wonderful. And also, like you said, it can also be so brutal. You know, you look at the results from one comp to another, and there's always the, there are certainly a group of pilots who are very consistent uh, and consistently do well, but even them, uh, you know, you, you'll look at the you'll look at the end results and see someone like Charles Cazzo, who's just a terrific comp pilot. You know, in Serbia, he was almost last. You know, and it, and it happens to everybody. You know, Duragati. You know, he's won the super final twice, and in any given World Cup, he could be down in the eighties. You know, it's just. Um, what has your many years of comp experience, do you, after a while, does that stuff just not bother you and it's no big deal because it happens to everybody or is it still just like, God darn it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I had one, one major experience. This was when we had a world cup in uh, Sierra Nevada, Spain. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, flew from the Sierra Nevada, we flew to the beach, and it was like, uh, literally, well, yeah, I think at five, five and a half thousand meters, and then we had a, fly, a final flight about one hour to the beach. Oh, and, uh, magic. It was, it was definitely magic, but I I didn't make it, because <laughs> there was one small, there was one small hill in front of the, in front of the beach, and honestly, I couldn't pass it, so I had to go left, and I landed on the beach nearby and it was a beautiful beach and all the people were coming say hey wow amazing you are here and i was so pissed off <laughs> and so grumpy and angry and whatever and uh, i even don't know why because i could have a swim you know enjoy myself have a beer and get ready to to go back um but yeah i was grumpy and then then i was thinking uh, when i was driving back and even the next day i say if you are like this, when you don't make goal, or something like this happens, then this will happen again, like you mentioned uh, many times, maybe. Also either you are accepting this or you, you're quitting the sport. If you cannot take it, then it makes no sense. Yeah. And this was, I think, since then, I'm like, still for sure, when you close to have a very good result and you're bombing out or you're short of goal, it's like this. Oh. <laughs> and then, but honestly, I, I start laughing about myself now when I'm getting <laughs> and um, so I think meanwhile, no, I'm, I'm over this. And like you say, there's also a big difference between uh, Charles Casso and me because Charles Casso, I have to say, he's like you mentioned, he's a he's a very unique pilot and, and he flies alone. Uh, he make definitely his own decisions. He has his own ideas. While uh, I'm not. Definitely known for this. I, I, I stick with the group. 
I let you cool even work for me. And um, so if you see my results are most of the time very constant, but also mm -hmm. no top results. Also this is something, and if all this works out, I became European champion once because it was just on, on the average. It was like the best decisions what a, a pilot made. But uh, I have to say also that there are a, a lot of much more unique pilots like Charles, like Kriegel, and you have Stefan Morgenthaler, for example. And yeah, you could listen up now 20 more, I, I think. Look at Honorine Hamor. Also there's, there's a bunch of 15, 20 pilots who fly. Uh, very special on their own who don't take care about the group but it's for sure as you have quite a big chance also then to bomb out or whatever and this was the same thing with charles doing the super final it was a little bit the same like you say like in serbia there suddenly his magic was not working anymore because mm. it's just this one small thing which is, is is missing and then it's much better to stick with the group because then you have possibilities you see when and uh, but I admire these 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 pilots, and I think these are the real pilots. I think these are the good pilots, but it's not always successful. And this is the this is the thing. Is that a personality thing? Do you think, or is it is it uh, you know? Because I I don't have nearly the experience that you guys do when it comes to comps. Um, but it's you know it's one of these things where I, I think I would categorize myself in that category of, uh, like you said, like Charles, like doing my own thing, but I get penalized for it so much that, you know, I try to go, no, 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 this, that's not how you fly comp. You, you have to have no original thoughts, stick with the gaggle, you know, do your thing, but it's, yeah. uh, it, I, it, I, I think? think it's, it's for sure. It's a personal thing. It's also something what you're looking for. It's a, for me, because, uh, also since I live in, in, in Canada, I fly four or five competitions a year. Mm -hmm. and um, to be able to qualify for the German national team, I just can mess up one more or less. The, the others must be good. So this is something where you fly result-oriented. So that means you're looking for a result in the, in the top 10. Mm -hmm. And uh, with this, you cannot take these risks that you mess up like two, three comps or whatever. Um and then it's also something what, uh, what suits you. Also, I, I think there are a lot of pilots, Tim Bollinger, for, for example, one of these guys, also now in Switzerland, who's just pushing, you see, and then if it works out, he has an awesome result. But also he, he bombs out here and there, and then, but, you, you know, it's, it's a kind, became a kind of his style, mm. and uh, he's not bothering with this. I have right. to say, when I'm bombing out once, twice, or Chilean, I bombed three times out, which is very unusual for me, I have to say. Mm -hmm. But even I can live with this, but I don't like to have now like four cops like this. That's a little, gotcha. a, a little bit too much. And, uh, so, yeah, and, and normally this kind of balancing, this is this is the major major thing. Uh, what, for example, look, it's perfect, always the winner of these big competitions. Uh, there are always the, these these pilots who did the, the the perfect setup between pushing, staying with a group, and and, and choose the best tactical uh, decisions for this competition. But it can be also then, like you say, in the next comp, it can be definitely that group bombs out twice, and that's it. You see, it's like uh, yeah. or Pierre Remy who once like was world champion and won the the, the super final. 
was also not his cup. You see, it, it works out for one competition, for the other one, again, not. But this is this is the way, yeah, how, how you have to do it now also to to win one of the big cups. Hmm. What have you, have you seen any kind of theme that's run through when you have a successful comp? Uh, have you been able to kind of tie it to other successful comps and come up with any kind of recipe? Uh, okay, this one was, you know, this one was because I had this kind of headspace or this kind of, you know, I had exercised this way for a year or is it just almost random? Yeah. yeah, it can be. You see, I was once very successful when I was completely drunk the night before. <laughs> <laughs> this is common with a lot of people, and, actually. And this is, uh, yeah, I, and we were laughing about this as a Tim Bolling. And also, once, I don't like to go in details, but he won also tasks. And the next day, I, I thought, man, he cannot even fly. And then he was. <laughs> Then he was winning the task. So this is something where you can see how special paraglide it is. Mm. But I also agree, uh, like you say, there are always more or less the same pilots uh, in front. And what I recognize when I always think now after Switzerland, I have really good performance. Now I should fly a competition. See, as I think also when you're training a lot um, and doing cross-country flying in the Alps, like Conorino or Luca doing, uh, I think this gives you the self-confidence to master also the situation and say, oh, I go there because there's an external. I don't care about the others over there. So this is this is definitely something uh, I think which uh, where you can see why they are as good as they are. And this is something I have to say I'm missing uh, sometimes quite a little bit and I, I recognize when I, I fly a lot that I'm getting Really much better confident, especially with the full speed flying near the near the cliff or, or, or all these things. Um, so this this helps, but it's for sure no guarantee uh, that you win the next comp. It's not like uh, when you're good in 100 meter running and you make it in 10 seconds, then then you're always at this level. At a competition, you can be at this level, but you. Just by chance, you're bombing out two times, and you end up on day six. So there's no more or less no no guarantee comparing to other sports. Isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's, totally different uh, game, isn't it? It's it's a kind you you need a kind of luck in, in different situations, and when you think about your X Alps flying, for example, it's it's just it's always this magic, this one day where Kriegel just can push ahead, isn't it? And the other mm -hmm. suddenly they have the bad weather. And he gets stuck. And he's just he's like surfing the wave with the with the good weather to the end, you know. Yes. And you guys, you are like I was sloughing like, it out. <laughs> What's happening there? And you're struggling <laughs> and it's like and yeah, this is the but it's let's say it's it's the decisions, but also yeah, we, we need much more luck compared to uh, to other sports. Mm. Oh it's a it's a bigger factor in our when you're in a comp, do you have any kind of mantras? Do you have any kind of, uh, you know, focus things or non-focus things? Do you try to get kind of like let your subconscious do it all and just look around and enjoy the day? You know, do you try to get in kind of a flow state? Or are you trying to really strategize? And, and, and if any of those things, are there any kind of things yeah. that you do where 
hey man, wake up or hey, let's have some fun or let's laugh or any of those things, any kind of thing like that? Yeah, I laugh too much. <laughs> I don't have to remember this. The main thing is what I always figured out because for sure also with my job and with pilots around, now with the new Boom uh, 12 or especially also the, the competition things we have, so I'm quite often distracted. So you talk a lot with other pilots about stuff or whatever, and I always... Each morning when I wake up, I say, okay, was at least now have a look at the map where you're flying and have a look where the goal is, that you know how this goes. Because uh, uh, this is something I'm, I'm aware when, when I'm flying, say, ah, so we have to go there, but now we're going there. Yeah, well, let's go there. So it's like, it's, it's definitely nice to be focused for, for like 15 minutes, uh, be, be mentally prepared for the task, where to fly, um, there yeah, can be the, the, the tricky parts, have some alternative routes or whatever. So I have to say, I'm missing this. I'm aware of this, but it's like uh, I like to, to goof around a lot and, and make a lot of jokes. And I, sometimes I'm not serious enough. <laughs> That's <laughs> so probably good. Something. I don't know. That's probably good. Yeah, it's is, it is good in some ways, but uh, sometimes it also bothers me because I, God damn it, if you. If you would have one look at the map to see where the goal is, you would approach it different, you see. But now you're like, yeah, it must be somewhere around here. You're looking at it like, yeah, well, it must be this field or whatever. So it's like, uh, these, these are for sure a few things where, uh, where I try to work on myself. But otherwise, yeah, like I say, it's, it's uh, so many years uh, where I'm doing this and I, I, I see all these, these boys who are extreme focused, who are uh, stressed out or whatever, and I try to to do it in a way that I have the joy, be ambitious enough, and uh, still get a good results and everything. Just try to balance it in some ways. Mm. You mentioned Martin Shield, the kind of weather guru and Swiss team coach and stuff. Um, when I go to a comp, I don't pay attention at all to the weather. I don't look, I mean, I, I listen to whoever's giving a weather briefing in the morning. That's about it. Do you, do you put much energy into weather at a comp? Uh, yeah, I think for descenders, it's worth to listen to sure. it because yeah. especially as you have a lot of different considerations, I think in Chile, I was also, okay, the wind is coming from the west. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Medians to moderate strong or whatever. So I, I think when you fly uh, somewhere in the flats or the same thing when you fly for starting Brazil or, or whatever. So the most interesting thing there is uh, are the basics a little bit, but it's also we, we fly in such uh, let's say unique small situations sometimes where it's where it's more interesting. Yeah, what the, what is the group doing or or, or where's now a, better travel to jump and then have a transition in a different way. So I think the, the overall weather is not, I agree with you, I, I don't think it's so important many times, but in Descentes and in the Alps, in, in, in some situations, definitely it can be some tactical decisions, especially when you know when the value wind comes, you just can't go low. This was at the second task, I was way too conservative. And this was something if I would trust more there the forecast or would be more aware of this mm. then 
yeah, you, you just go direct and, and, and push the video value with the two code and things like this. So I think uh, you have to, to, to see where you're flying. Torsten, do you pay any attention when you're at a comp? Do you pay attention to who's who, or is everybody just information? Will you, will you, in other words, will you put more weight on an honoring or Julian or Stephen Lace or you know somebody you knows, uh, or maybe somebody that flies similar to you? Is it is it do you, uh, do, you do you follow people that are more your style? Maybe correct. Yeah, I, I don't fly as if there's Jason. I don't like to follow him because he's well known. <laughs> but Yasin and Tim, I try to avoid them. Right. No, but it's it's uh, it's for sure uh, because, like I mentioned, it is as I, um, I I more stick to the group and everything. But you like to stick to the right people uh, where you are, where that they uh, that they still push and still go. So sometimes you 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 are where oh now now we have. A really nice group of five six pilots with with strong pilots. This is actually what I I love most because then even with the thermals you're working together, you're you're pushing together. Um, this is very nice to fly, I have to mm. say. So I I I, I definitely take care or, or or like to be in a group with uh, pilots who fly very constant, um, but also fast. This is something. Um, where, where I had a lot of a uh, lot of fun and which which works for my flying style. Isn't it? Hmm. What advice would you give to a newer comp pilot? Somebody kind of getting into the game, maybe maybe go into their first. You know, so they've done a few lower level comps, but they're mm -hmm. going to their first World Cup. We've got a whole a big U.S. squad going over to Turkey in a few days, and a bunch of them, I think, are uh, it's their first World Cup ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I, I think main thing is to enjoy it. Also, this is something I, I see a lot of, of newcomers, they are somewhat too ambitious, they are they are stressed out, whatever. So you just be relaxed and and, and, and to be, be happy to do this. Um because also even if it's a World Cup or whatever, you you should be honest with your with your flying skills and, and what you can do and how, how much you like to push and everything. So this should be the same at, at each competition and then proceeding from there or, or going further. Um, also what I, I can see with, with a lot of pilots that they jump too early to uh, to the competition gliders, I think, because uh, still when, when, when you glide, fly with a, with a Seno or Leopard or the, the, the two-liner D-Wings, I think it's really worth to fly them until you're 100% confident. Mm. Also, uh, a lot of racing, full speed bar or whatever, because this will be something which is for sure more demanding than on the, on the CC, C wings. And there you can see that the people then get hesitant to, 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 to fly them full speed mm. and uh, to use the full potential of the wing. So they always see these transitions, this gliding, oh, I'm losing there. But they never see uh, how much they are losing uh, by not flying full speed, by not going really close to the cliff, jumping into the lead terminal, flying aggressive, uh, turning tight and everything. Mm. So a few times I was even in, in Switzerland, I went crazy when, when, when the pilots are turning so wide. I said, come on, we can go 
Gordon, the title and everything. So um, Chilean was the same thing. He said, yeah, they, they are definitely afraid to bank it higher or even, you know, to, you should feel the spin when it's coming slightly and you can even play with it or whatever. So this is something to be 100% confident with the wing and, and you have the skills to fly this. I think this is something what most of the pilots, uh, I would not say don't have, but they, it, it would be better if they stay a little bit longer on the, on the lower wings to get all these skills to, to fly at 110% even and, and, and mm. add a lot of maybe even frontals and fly food stalls with this. And then with this experience jumping to a CCC wing, I think uh, it would make them better pilots because I think they jump too early and then they are always, they, they rise up to a certain level. But then I'm also afraid sometimes when I fly with these wings, which is a good thing. But I also try to train to get over this, to fly it 100%. But it takes a lot of energy and um, and time. And I think they, they never reach it to fly these wings uh, to um, yeah, to the top performance. Mm. How does how does the FTV scoring and and lead points? It, I mean, there's all the cliche. I'm, I'm kind of looking for something specific. How does that change your strategy? Do you, do you have any kind of systems? You know, if you blow the first day, <laughs> or I don't, you know, any yeah. kind of any kind of just ways that you approach that? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's something you see with, with my flying. Before FTB I was always kind of pretty good because I try always to fly constant and try to avoid to uh, to have a bomb out or something like this. With the FTB I have to say now I definitely I like it also and I think it's fair for all the pilots who are who are doing delete work or whatever and have a high chance to bomb out. <clears throat> and um, I always try to bring it in my strategy, but I always fail because I make uh, a lot of stupid mistakes and bomb out and then I have anyway discard. So it's, <laughs> it's somewhere, somehow, it's, and it happened quite often that I even start with the discard in the first task, I don't know why. And then I, I have to fly constant to catch up again. Um, but my dream is to use this in a certain situation where I have a realistic chance to do something on my own and try it. And if it works out, yeah. If not, I have this card. It's always my dream, but it's always happened. It's like uh, <laughs> it's quite rare that I uh, that I can use it in the way how it's designed for. I just have to use it by by random factors. <laughs> <laughs> Torsten, I got a question that came in when we were going to do this as kind of a community podcast with you and Josh and Manuel out of Chelan, and we just didn't get an opportunity because it went into party mode there pretty quick on that last, last, last day. But I, I put out on the group, uh, on our telegram thing, if anybody had any questions and one came through that I wanted to ask you, it, it's what recommendations do you have for C-class pilots and comps dominated by comp gliders who want to fly safe and make the most of the opportunity to fly and learn from the most more experienced pilot on hotter wings. So let me translate that a little bit. I think what this pilot is saying is, you know, if I'm on a C wing, I get dropped by the C guys, the C, the comp guys really fast. Um, and what we learned, I wasn't there. I don't know if you were, but for the ozone, you know, when everybody was on the serial class, 
you know, it was all the it was all the names that you would expect flying the sea gliders who still, you know, crushed everybody else. So I think that was really good for the normal C class pilot to see, okay, well it's not just the wing. It's it's mm-hmm. obviously skill. Uh that's that's the big tell here. But yeah, I think they're saying, you know, how do I learn from the comp pilots when I can't keep up with them? Yeah, this goes more or less together what I mentioned before that you um even with a sea glider, you should be able to push it to 100%. Also the, the, the main thing is like staying in bar, uh, don't release too early, learn, learn all these things. It's like uh, many times you hear, yeah, I couldn't fly full speed because there are two centimeters of the accelerator away missing. I said, yeah, well, change it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> something you can change it. It's, I, I think this is, uh, these are all these things to, uh, to, I think a pilot is always aware, as you should be aware of what's, what's missing and, and where your skills are limited, isn't it? And where you are afraid of. And then on these points, you have to work. You have to see, okay, the others are doing it definitely better. They are, uh, they are, they are much more banking with the wings. They're able to, to even slightly stall and to fly it slightly negative. They can fly it very aggressive. They can immediately know they are jumping into the lee side without being hesitated or whatever. So it's all these, these quick decisions, uh, reacting fast, and uh, definitely in a way uh, what you can learn to fly aggressive, uh, which means not to others, more in a way that, that you're always immediately pushing, going, and uh, even I had a friend, uh, unfortunately he died also, but he mentioned a competition without a big collapse, you didn't push a button. Ah. You didn't push too, too, too much because it's, it's something it shows that you are that you are a chicken somewhere because this shows you the limit, isn't it? <laughs> I I don't totally agree to this, but it's uh, it's for sure something we all know about. Oh, now it's turbulent. I, I read it out or fly a little bit slower, but uh, you will never learn this how stable your wing can be if you don't push further. And this is a good thing if you make an SIV. With your wing, especially learn the, the, the front collapses, the side collapses, whatever, um, then you are good trained. And then I also think when you are flying like in Chilean in the flats and you're flying full speed and you get a front, it's not a big thing if you react uh, very fast. Mm. So you should not be afraid to, to get this and you should get a little bit used to this because then you, you can fly the wing to, to, to 100%. And I think this is the big advantage when we as, as CCC competition pilots stepping back on the on the sea wings because they are for us so easy to fly and so safe that we don't mind if we have uh, frontal collapses or side collapses because mm. you're just stopping it continuing and uh, they are not as fast as the CCC wings and everything so this is the thing and this is what they can learn about this as about uh, don't jump to a D-wing Definitely be hundred percent confident to, to fly this 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 wing uh, on 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 a maximum with, with with a lot of speed and and be confident with, with this glider. We had it once doing a, a chin wide open. Um, it was really impressive. There was um, I think uh, it was a Slovenian pilot on a on a B glider uh, from, from triple seven or something like this. And he was flying so aggressive with his wing and he was passing out all the other pilots who were, who were on the C-wings or even D-wings because when they're coming on the ridge, you see like 
Pfeiffer dann wieder wie vor, ah, Redder slow down, a little bit can, can be bumpy. And this guy just come in full speed, you know, hitting into the turbo, climbing and everything. For sure he had not a performance like the, the others, but with his flying skills and flying the swing um, on, the, on, on the absolutely maximum what he can do, mm. uh, he was better than the others. And this was very impressive, you see. Also this is the thing I often think if, if, if pilots fly with an easier wing, they could perform better. Yeah. Uh, But they always, everyone is just looking on the on the gliding, isn't it? You're, yeah. you're, you're climbing together and then you're gliding and then you're like, oh, now he's better. Yeah. I need this thing. I need this thing. Because then I would be the same. You see, it's like, but you don't see, see all the other things, uh, what, what I mentioned. I mean, when you're in a place, I mean, we saw it in Schland, didn't we? Over and over, Colin Rathbun flying his Delta. You couldn't shake them all day, even in the long tasks, you know, and, and there were several people on Alpinas that were just, you'd turn around and there they were, there they were, yeah. you know, I mean, the only time you really, you know, that the, the advantage was, was very noticeable is when we were pushing wind, you know, but when you're, when there's no wind yeah, or going yeah. downwind, you know, it's pretty hard to shake those guys, you know, and they're yeah, having a blast. Yeah, I, I know, I know these guys on the, was on the left and I was, Pushing, pushing, you know, and I was like, I should now get away from this guy. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> fast. Hard. The level is fast. Yeah. Yeah. So was, no. Yeah, no, it's, I, I think this is it. And, and you you should have, have the fun and the joy. And even if you have this disadvantage, then in some situations, you should also be aware of the advantages, what, what, what you have, that, that sure. you are confident with the wing, that, that you fly something which is pretty safe and everything. But it's it's very interesting that the pilots, most of the pilots, only focus on the on the gliding, and then it's like, yeah, I had no chance, and now I need a better wing because then I can catch up with them, and then I fly the same. But it's not like this. Yeah. Mm, mm. Torsten, we'll wrap things up here pretty soon because I want to be uh, thinking about your time. I know you got a bunch of stuff going on there, but I'm going to ask you a few kind of rapid fire questions here at the end. You don't have to answer them fast; they're just just the kind of fun ones um first one have you had any kind of aha moments recently in your flying career you've been at this a long time but is there any kind of a wow that that really helped or that was really cool or that was something you, you didn't really put much weight into in the past yeah honestly it was when when mark a friend of mine here in ontario he uh, because he was sick and tired to, to see the clouds uh, and we have no mountains here so he bought himself uh, a, a winch electronic winch to town self and one day he asked me i trust you have to come it's really cool and i said yeah okay well i'll join you because when this COVID, i'm locked down since half a year and i didn't fly a long time so i definitely uh, looking forward to this and then it was also he, he was really brave he taught me three times and the third time then I was like, yeah, I, I released a little bit earlier because I think this field was working and it was like this classical Brazilian way, uh, like 30 meters over the field. And I said, yeah, I happen to have a zero, 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 five, you know, and then it started to work and forever. And then I ended up making short at 3000 meters on a cloud base. Uh, and yeah. we are here in Ontario, we are 400 meters high and it was like, you see, it was like these magic things about flying. Like mm. these, uh, I'm like, and it was fucking cold. <laughs> and it was like, but it was so, I was like, 
this was this feeling again, which I had when, when I was a, a young boy, just to see this again, you know, to, to, to be in the elements. And then I was, I was with our new, uh, Ian Beaving, so, so, so nothing spectacular, just then cruising of 60 kilometers, make a big, big round landing there again. And this was like this thing where this uh, aha moment was like, yeah, I know why I'm doing this because it's, it's awesome. It's, it's very, it's something what they are living 4 million people here in Toronto. Yeah. And there are just a bunch of, of five or 10 people who are doing this. And that's it's crazy, isn't it? And it's yeah, great. It's, 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 it's really, it's still outstanding. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, funniest thing you've ever seen in flying recently or yeah, ever. Uh, that's gonna that might take you a while to think about it we could move to another yeah, which is why you, there's a lot of funny ones but i know you yeah. like to joke so I, <laughs> yeah, yeah well, the, the, the most impressive thing was matthias roten when he was flying at a competition the whole competition backwards so he decided uh it's too what? boring yeah and uh, he had he had amazing skills i have to say and i think he was with the, with the swiss team in brazil and then he was like, yeah, it's, it's too boring. So he, he was flying the whole task backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to wrap my head around. But I get I, it with acro, but it's pretty because you steer at a different pace. So it's, it's a, it's a, whoa. It's crazy, yeah. But he was pretty for this. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. Play Gravity is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's, uh, it was such a great movie that he did. Yeah, that those guys did. Truly. It was fantastic. Yeah, real loss to the sport. Um, what piece of kit – this is interesting considering your background. What piece of kit, gear, would you like to see that doesn't exist yet? Glasses uh, for troubles. Really? You'd <laughs> like to see that? Interesting. Um, I think just to see this once would be pretty interesting. To see yeah. like a, have like a three D animation things how how everything works. Maybe I, we would be so scared that we never fly again. I know. I think it'd be terrifying. But, it'd be terrifying. Um, but uh, just maybe at the end, you know, at the last day when I say, okay, I, I skip flying now. It's the last day uh, to fly with some goggles, which uh, which allows you to see everything. I hope I hope they never invent that. I think it'd be the end, but it'd also be yeah. A lot of people say that one. I think oh god. I mean, the one hand it'd be terrifying. The other hand it'd be cop. But then but then everybody'd see the same thing and be uh, be weird. Yeah, it would be too easy to fly. Yeah, it'd be too easy to fly for sure. If you could make one more flight, where would you go? As the last flight. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a dark way. I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, to, the, the world's going to end tomorrow and you got to, you can go somewhere to fly. Where would it be? I, I, I think where I started at the, at the Wasserkuppe because I could never travel there proper. <laughs> so I, I had never a good flight there and they are making like long distance flights. So it would be nice to come back to the point where you started. And where uh, is it? What, what was the name of that? Was that uh, Wasserkuppe. Wasserkuppe. Oh, I don't know that one. Or yeah, maybe. it's near Fulda, Frankfurt. It's a pretty famous small ah, mountain. Okay, okay, way up north. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, in the in the center of Germany. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think this would be super exciting to uh, be able to to have the epic flight. I'm always dreaming of this. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here, considering this is your job. But last question: um, best and worst wing you've ever flown? Yeah, best wing for me was 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 the Booby Left. I have to say, I I loved it, especially when I won the uh, Canadian Nationals. Hmm. It was was like a dream. Everything worked so perfectly, and I felt so safe and full speed and everything. And it's I. I love this wing, I have to say, yeah, yeah. Especially also with the safety and everything. And the worst wing was like, uh, uh, was the, <laughs> it was like, there was from flight designer, it was the C3, it was, it has like round air inlets. This was pretty tough to fly. And then it was the XC77 from UP. This was also super nasty. It was like this uh, between uh, like shooting and deep stall. So the it, it, it was like oh oh my god, yeah. <laughs> they were no fun. I, I I'm happy that we are that we passed this time. Yeah, we don't really get bad wings anymore from anybody, no, 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 do we? No. It's that no, they were, they were super nasty. Yeah, yeah. Torsten, what a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. I'm glad we were finally able to make this happen. Thank you for your patience and congratulations at the super final. Another great result. Uh, you kind of kept crawling up the ranks there and that was, that was fantastic to watch, but um, good to have you with us in Chelan and it sounds like we've got a world cup there next year. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. This would be anyway awesome. I'm so happy that they announced world cup there. Yeah. So I think we will have, uh, we will have a lot of fun. Huh? to see you all there again. Me too. That's a great place to race. Thanks, Torsten. Okay, thank you so much. If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing, a lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes costs. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So, for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription, and it makes all of this possible. Uh, I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but I for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people. And these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear 
We don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us, then just let me know and I'll set you up with an account. Of course, that'll be lifetime. And hopefully you're being in a position someday to be able to support us. But you'll find all that on the website. Uh, All of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought Cloud-Based Mayhem merchandise, t-shirts or hats or anything, you should be all set up. You should have an account and you should be able to access all that bonus material now. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support and we'll see you on the next show. Thank you.